Well, welcome once again to Rhythms of Grace. Uh, my name's Nate, and I'm here with uh, Sung Kim, who's the lead pastor of Grace Churches. And uh, we're talking about, surprise, surprise, we're talking about rhythms. We're talking about the rhythms of your life. We're talking about the rhythms of your faith. And, uh, and essentially, we've, we've talked about what, what daily rhythms look like. And this week, I'm really excited to talk about what weekly rhythms look like. But before we get into some of those rhythms, Sung, why don't you give us a little background? When you think of a weekly rhythm or a, or a weekly habit, kind of where do you start? Where does your brain start on that one? Well, um, <laughs> it starts in a lot of places. Let, let me just talk about habits a little bit. Um, there's a book called... Um, Actually, I forgot the title of the book, but it's by a guy named Charles Duhigg, yeah. where he talks about this whole idea of keystone habits. And the whole idea is that like these little small micro shifts uh, that you make in your life can actually result in some macro effects in your life. And so I, I think when it comes to our weekly r- rhythms, understanding that we all live according to a specific regimen of habits. And those habits actually shape so much of our lives. I, th- I think I read that... Um, Studies show that close to half of your actions are not actually choices, but the result of habits. So just real quick, the book is called The Power of Habit by Charles right. Duhigg. It's D-U-H-I-G-G. It's yeah, good reading. It is. And I think to understand as we think about habits, just because you don't choose a habit, whether that's a daily habit or a weekly habit, doesn't mean you don't have them. Yeah. If you don't have a habit, it just means that someone or something else is choosing it for you, whether it's your circumstances or even social media. Like it's constantly nudging you into certain choices uh, that will make them more money. And so uh, understand that habits or uh, whether intentional, conscious or unconscious, they form your character and your heart. Yeah, it's really good to remember that 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 just because you didn't choose a habit, you can still be engaged in a habit. And, and uh, you know, it's one that, that either we're going to choose or one that's going to be chosen for us. But there are tons of things that we do that are merely habitual. Yeah, yeah. And I would even say, too, I read this somewhere a while ago, likening habits to like liturgy if you think of like a church liturgy it's a pattern of words or uh, actions that you just repeat on a regular basis and the whole point of that is it's a it's um, a way of worship in a church setting and it's the intention is to be formed in a certain way and 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 I think the idea of calling habits liturgy seems a bit weird but I think it's so true. It, it just means that our day-to-day repeated actions actually point to what we actually worship, whether it's ourselves or whether it's God or everything else. I think the other thing that does is it, f- it fills every ordinary activity we do with so much sacred meaning that, that even you know, putting on your shoes can be an act of worship. Mm. One of the things that I, I love about the, uh, this book, um, you know, The Power of Habit, and what he says about habits is that eventually when a habit is formed, it's actually easier to keep that habit than mm-hmm. it is to do something else, even if the habit requires more work. Perfect example of that is that my daughter works out really consistently. And she'll come down some mornings, and it doesn't matter how tired she is. She's like, oh, I don't want to have to, like, navigate the mental space of talking myself out of exercising, so I'm just going to go do it. So even though it's way more work for her, the habit actually makes it easier to engage. And that can be such a powerful tool that we can use 
you know, yeah. for, for worship, you know, we can habitually worship because it becomes easier to put our hearts and minds in a place of worship than to not. So it's a really, really interesting tool as we talk about rhythms to, to use uh, the kind of the concept of habit. Yeah, I think when it also comes to habit, the other thought I have is, um, I, I know I used to think this when I was younger, but like the you know, we think habits take so much work. And, and if, if I have a habit, it's going to, um, it, it's going to limit my sense of freedom. I want to do what I want to do. And, and that's kind of the definition that I, I think our culture defines for us. Freedom is, you know, the ability to do what you want to do. Uh, and we think that the li- good life comes from that ability. When in fact, I, I think when you look at not only, uh, you know, the faith tradition of Christianity, but most faith traditions, Freedom doesn't come from choosing uh, or, or having the ability to do whatever you want to do. It comes from the ability to choose the right limitations in your life and, and to become the person that you know God wants you to become. Mm. Help me understand a little bit more about that, because as soon as you start talking about limits, people feel like that's the opposite of freedom. But what is it like? Where do we find freedom inside those limitations? Yeah, again, the easiest example is like in music or in athletics, right? Um, If you want to play the piano, you can approach it one of two ways, just thinking, I want to play whatever keys I want to play. And you can define that as freedom, thinking like, oh, but like that, that's just chaos. That's not that's not like freedom, real freedom. Uh, The freedom that comes is when somebody is disciplined and they start engaging in the habit of practicing every day so that the music that they actually play is very beautiful to the, to the listener. It's the same thing with athletics. Uh, the freedom to play on the field comes from the day-in, day-out practice. And, and so I, I would even call the, the Western definition, the Western culture's definition of freedom is actually, it leads to slavery. Mm. But it's only when you submit yourself to the right limits that freedom actually uh, comes out of and is born out of that. Yeah, it's interesting to use the musical sort of um, metaphor because, you know, a lot of really excellent musicians, they spend an enormous amount of time practicing scales, which is a very, very limited, very sort of boundaried practice, let's yeah. say. But what that does is it actually gives them freedom in the area that they want it. If they want to be better to play Bach or Beethoven or these really complicated pieces, your fingers have to be practiced at going up and down scales and finding the right keys or finding the right spot on the strings. And so this sort of really restrictive discipline or habit of scales actually opens up a door to freedom in something that you really want. Nobody wants to just be an expert scale player, right? right. But if you don't do that, you're going to be limited in the in kind of finding excellence or finding kind of the reaches of freedom in areas that you actually want. Right. Yeah, and so as we talk about freedom, we're going to kind of talk about our, our weekly rhythms and the habits that you and I and our families um, uh, practice so that we can experience more freedom in our lives. Mm-hmm. So let me just begin by asking you, what are some weekly rhythms that you and or your family practices? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'll start with a farm metaphor because I think that's an easy place to start, uh, which is that I usually take on one of my days when I'm not working at the church, I will try to take a full day and I spend that entire day essentially preparing the farm for the upcoming week. 
where I know my time is going to be short, where I know I might be rushed, where I don't know what the weather is going to be. But that's really simple things. It's like refilling all of like the food containers so that my chores are shorter in the morning or splitting a bunch of firewood so that making a fire to keep our house warm is kind of quick and easy. I I don't think it's very different than, you know, like if you do laundry on the weekend or something, some way that you can kind of set yourself up so that the rest of your life takes a little bit less effort. You know, I mean, legitimately, speaking of freedom, there are tons of people that come out to the farm. And they're like, oh, man, it'd be so amazing to be <laughs> out here. And I'm like, you have no idea the enormous amount of work and labor and discipline that this freedom requires. And so that's one of the things that we do um, every week. I'll try to take a full day um, to do that. Another thing that I'll try to do, uh, you know, and we talked when we were talking about daily rhythms about about my pursuit of making something or creativity, I try to do a bigger project when I, uh, you know, on, on what I would consider my full day off, which, um, is like, that's not fixing what's broken. It's not, you know, repairing a building, but literally just saying what, how can I stretch myself creatively? Um, and we can talk more about that when we talk about Sabbath, cause that's actually kind of how I view it. Mm. Um, yeah, the third one that, that I, I would probably put out there is that every Sunday morning, it's been different. You know, uh, this is probably the first time in 10 or 15 years that I've been home on a Sunday morning, you know, <laughs> as, uh, as we, uh, suspended services at one of our locations where my family and I usually attend. Uh, but we, I make a big breakfast, um, and then, uh, and then we've picked a whole series of topics to talk through with our kids. My parents who live on the property often come up for breakfast and we'll just say like, Hey, today we're talking about racism or we're talking about politics or we're talking about mental health. And we just let our children who are teenagers now kind of engage in, in a free flowing discussion about an important topic. So we do that every single week. And that's been amazing. I mean, it's been amazing. It's one of my favorite touch points of the past six months as we've, as we've been at home. Mm, Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, You know, one of the things that we do is um, uh, on Friday night, uh, the kids make homemade pizza and uh, it's like our one night of the week that we actually watch TV. I, I think, well, I, I think one of the things in terms of weekly habits that's really good to just consider is to actually curate your, your media, mm. you know, to intentionally say, you know, I'm going to limit myself to X amount of hours uh, to, to Facebook or to Netflix. Um, just because, again, that, that's, an, that's a habit that we fall into without thinking. But that Friday night is the one night that we, uh, the kids make pizza, we sit in front of the TV, we watch a couple episodes of our favorite TV show, um, and, and it's just a night for us just to enjoy each other's presence, to laugh together, and then afterwards, we'll just kind of talk about whatever comes up in life or just in, in the relationships that we're in, in school or at work, and it's, just a, it's really just a family night, and so that's a, that's a weekly rhythm that our family has established. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some other habits um, or or weekly rhythms that we've had at different seasons is that, especially when our children were much younger, uh, my wife and I were very, very consistent about a weekly date night. Just because it was like, man, I, I you're I, you're in the same room as me, but like we are not <laughs> engaging in any sort of meaningful interaction, right? right. Um, so we've done that at certain points as well, and and depending on my kids' ages, I've I've worked harder um, to spend sort of dedicated time with them as well mm. um, on sort of a week to week basis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have more kids than than we do, so. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, so let's kind of explore this whole idea of Sabbath. Um, and, and I know oftentimes we'll talk about this, but uh, let's kind of get a, a, a better handle of what this actually looks like. You know, because honestly, for years, I actually didn't practice Sabbath. Um, again, part of my story is about seven years ago, uh, burnt out um, from ministry and work. And, and and the interesting thing was, it was the first time that I started to realize um that I had to start the practice of listening to my body. Mm. Like for years and years, just working, working, just going full speed ahead. And for the first time realizing like, oh, okay, when my body is tired and, and, uh, and lacking sleep, instead of, instead of just pushing through the exhaustion, actually listening to it and perhaps even considering that God may be speaking to me through my body. Since then, um, I, I've taken not only a weekly rhythm of Sabbath, but again, Sabbath, I would even say, is, is uh, uh, there are daily times and blocks where uh, Sabbath meaning just when, when uh, well, we'll talk about that, but just when you're, you're, you're stopping from work. Um, I think the one thing that I want us to consider when we talk about Sabbath is um, we often think of Sabbath as not doing anything, but actually, Sabbath is more than not doing anything. It, it's actually doing uh, restful things. Yeah. Yep. And so whenever I hear people say, oh, I don't have any time off. I, I, I haven't practiced Sabbath. I can't just sit there and veg out. Like, that. that is actually not Sabbath. Right. It doesn't mean just watching Netflix or football all Sunday morning, <laughs> you right. know. Like, that, that can actually be counterproductive. Other than maybe if your body is so exhausted that you just need that downtime, that, that's one thing. But, but your soul needs so much more than to just do nothing. It needs to do restful things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's important to remember that the heart of the Sabbath is restorative in right. nature. It's not merely about a pause, but it's actually restorative. And so if the things that you're doing aren't restoring you, and, and again, like it can... It, Building that habit can be difficult because at first it might feel like work, you know, Um, in the midst of it, you might be like, oh my gosh, I wish I just could just like sit on my butt. And, you know, if that's not restoring you, then you have to still have the discipline, even in Sabbath, to pursue something that, like you said, is actually restful and actually is restorative. Yeah, so what's something that's restful for you that you do on a regular basis? Yeah, I mean, you know, creativity is is very, very restful. Um, one of the things that, I mean, I have a lot of different sort of making things that I do, but what I love about it is that it, it the way that it's restful is that it focuses all of my mental attention on something else. I'm one of those people where like my brain is always kind of going. And so especially if depending on the season we're in at church or family life, I'll just like tick through those issues or problems um, or responsibilities over and over and over and over again. And one of the things about being creative and making something, you know, I have a blacksmith set up and I have a wood shop. And, you know, if I if I'm engaged in those things, all of my attention is turned away mm-hmm. from whatever might kind of be stuck on, you know, replay or repeat. Um, and so that, that, that's one of the ways that I rest. Mm. Um, it's similar, it's similar, you know, to sometimes to doing farm work, if it's simple stuff, if it's, you know, mowing on the tractor or whatever, it's, it's like, it requires all my attention, but not in the same way. Right. And so I find it restful. Yeah, no, and that's good too. And I think for me, um, because I'm thinking and writing and speaking during the week, I'm talking to people, 
oddly enough, uh, for me, uh, what I find restful is, is and I, again, it's a daily habit, but it's also a weekly thing, especially on a Saturday where I just allow myself to read something for the sake of not something I have to put out there, but simply for my own soul's sake. And, um, and so that, that's one thing for me, uh, it being with my family, with my kids, you know, again, when your kids are like toddler age, it, it's not very restful, mm-hmm. but I think for both of our families, um, uh, where the, our kids are at a stage where again, conversing with them, talking with them for me, it's so restful. And so uh, that's a part of my Sabbath. Now, I, I'm, I am in a dual role. I, I work here as, uh, in the church as a pastor. I, I'm also uh, the, the coordinator for leadership development in our denomination. And so since then, I've been doing that for two years. And since then, my regular day off, which is Friday, um, has kind of taken up with kind of the, the two jobs that I'm in right now. And so Saturdays for me become all that more important to 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 rest um you know and to to do things that are restorative for me yeah i mean it's and it's helpful to note like if like if my wife were here with us for her being with people that she loves is a sabbath for her i mean again i'm a i'm a huge introvert so with for me being with people is not rest restful or restorative but for her it absolutely is especially if she's been really busy like with stuff so she runs her own business if she's been doing a ton of stuff that she has to she'll be like i just want to just like talk to someone that you know with no agenda just to see how they're doing so she'll try to work those things in um but it's important to 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 know yourself in some way Mm -hmm. you know it's important to actually evaluate at the end of an activity does this make me feel more prepared for tomorrow or does it make me feel less you know um sometimes i've noticed that like if i have a veg day I'll end and I'll be like, man, why am I angry at everyone? Like, why am I, you know, you know, and it, that just doesn't work for me. Now there are times where I'm physically exhausted and I, you know, I love to watch movies and things like that. And that can absolutely work. But I know at the end of it, uh, if I'm feeling grouchy, guess what? I should have been doing something else. And that's just important to know yourself and be willing to make that change. Yeah. I think the other thing when it comes to Sabbath too, is understanding that, uh, uh, we don't work and then rest on the weekend. So, uh, but uh, uh, it's not that rest is the result or the reward for work. Biblically speaking, rest is the foundation and the launching point uh, for our week of work. Much like you were talking about, like Friday kind of being your day to, to plan and Saturday kind of being creative. It's restoring you and that prepares you for the week ahead. I, I think we just, we kind of have it backwards and we yeah. think like, oh, work is what we're all about. And be, and as a reward, man, you know, the weekend is here. I think we have to understand that work is from God and it's for others but we want to believe that work is from us and it's for us. But the Sabbath really turns that around and says, no, work isn't from you and it's not for you. It's actually from God and it's for other people. Yeah, it's funny, like how many times have you heard somebody say like, you know, just living for the weekend, like just, yep. just get, you know, can't wait to get to Friday. And that is that mentality of like, I just got to get through this work in order yep. to like sort of live the, the life that I actually want, which is. Saturday, Sunday, or, or leisure. Um, right. And that, that is, it's sort of a backwards way of thinking. It is, yeah. And so, you know, for me, uh, again, when I started to practice Sabbath um, many, many years ago, uh, initially it was out of necessity because my health, my emotional and physical health depended on it. 
And, and now I practice Sabbath uh, as a way to understand my faith, my salvation. And now I, I feel like it's not just my health and my emotional state that depends on it. My soul depends on it. And honestly, everything I do from the ministry in the church to my relationships with other people, all of that depends on the condition of my soul. And so I, I think just being able to stop from what I'm doing and, and to know and trust God that like not everything, not everything in my world depends on me doing something, I, I think is a huge thing. And so uh, really taking a Sabbath is almost a countercultural revolutionary step. Yeah. So, so one of the questions that comes to my mind, and because I've, I've had seasons of my life where, for example, my work week was so difficult that I couldn't actually fully restore. I mean, I heard once that it takes uh, like a, uh, an offensive lineman 11 days to recover from an NFL game. The problem is that during the season, they play every seven days. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? So literally, and I felt that way sometimes where like I start every week a little bit lower than I was. How, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for the state of our souls? And, and what do we do? Yeah. Well, and that's where next week's episode where we talk about seasonal rhythms Again, like for that lineman, you know, there's the off season, you know, I know for you and we'll get into this, like, you know, you used to like every February take a week away, you know, there are seasonal rhythms that we need to employ. And so it's not just daily or even weekly rhythms. And and, and we'll talk about that more next week. But that is having all these rhythms in place is so important. And I also think it's important to say that just because you're in a season where you're never quite getting back up to full strength doesn't mean that you should doesn't mean there isn't value in still pursuing a Sabbath. In fact, in some ways, it might be even more important because right. it like it like kind of keeps you hanging on right until until respite comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, anything you want to say in closing, Nate? I think we've covered it, man. Okay, I have one thing to say in closing. Bring it. <laughs> uh, you know, we started talking about habits in the beginning. I just want us to understand that if you place habits before like God's grace and his working in your life, that's going to lead to legalism and frustration. That's so good. So you have to place God's love and his grace upon you first and then let habits flow out of that. And it's only then that you actually allow the gospel to work in your life. If you get that wrong, habits can actually be so destructive. And so we have to get that order right. It's, it's, it's very similar to what you were just talking about, that like our work week flows out of the Sabbath. And in right. the same way, like those habits should flow out of love and grace as opposed to the other way around, which is how we love to do it, right? We love to switch it and say, if I have all my habits in place, then like God will love me and I'll right. be able to experience his grace. But it's actually the opposite. Man, that's good. And that's a wrap for this week. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. We hope to see you next week.